What's going on, good people, and welcome to another episode of Live by the Three with your boy, Curly. Now, this week is awfully special because it's the first time I'm dropping two episodes in a week. I have special guests for, for both of them, and if I'm going to be dropping two episodes a week, might as well make it worth, worth everybody's while. So for returning listeners, you're in for a treat, and for new listeners, welcome, and you are also in for a treat. I have a brilliant basketball mind that I've had the privilege of getting to know over the last few years, both on a personal and, and professional level. We started off as co-workers and we are now brothers. It is someone, it is definitely somebody you want in your corner these days and having like-minded individuals in your corner, especially doing projects like this, definitely makes everything worthwhile. So if you have the right people around you, anything is possible. I call this gentleman the messiah of the fantasy world. He pulls off trades that I truly feel only messiah could pull off. He fleeces some people sometimes. I don't know how he does it, but he's able to maximize his his players and turn them into valuable valuable commodities in return. Passionate Raptors fan, a passionate VC fan, definitely has been loyal through the ups and downs of being a Raptors supporter. And I can't think of anybody else that I would want to share an episode with. So allow me the privilege of introducing KG, not to get confused with the Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett. As much as I would love that kind of company and four episodes, it is not Kevin Garnett, but he is KG nonetheless. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Curly. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Never thought that this day would come, but you know, uh, you're you're about to make it big. Podcast is taking off, and man, it, it's some good content. So those of you tuning in, make sure you subscribe, turn that notification bell on. <laughs> and uh, I don't know about fleecing people for fantasy. You know, I, I just <laughs> I, I just present an offer, and you know, I gotta explain to them and show them how this trade works for them and, and and i don't necessarily say how it works for me but any one of y'all in my fantasy please don't be listening to this i, I never feast y'all we, we good <laughs> <laughs> okay well so okay so uh, full disclosure if it's not fleecing he's definitely pulling some jedi mind tricks he's waving his hands over his phone <laughs> and allowing these deals to go through but uh you know thanks thanks again for for the love and Let's get right into it. So ladies and gentlemen, the Raptors were on a back-to-back -back trip this week, starting off with the Charlotte Hornets at home on January 25th, 2022. This was a refreshing game to see. It was without Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet, notably. And one of the few times that Freddie has missed some games, I was curious to see how they were going to respond without Freddie there and I mean we've we've made do for the most part without having Scotty Barnes but not having your leader on the floor can create some concerning scenarios for a team but the Raptors responded well I'm not going to spend too much time with it. it it was a blowout for the most part coming into the third quarter the Hornets in typical Hornets fashion when they're down big they usually make a run and if they are going to make a run it's definitely on the on the second in the second half they made their push in the third quarter and the and the Raptors weathered the storm and they were able to counterpunch whatever the Hornets were were throwing at that point. I want to spend more time talking about two people or two players in particular that haven't seen a lot of playing time lately. 
and I'm going to reference them as the others the same way Shaquille O'Neal does. It was the Malachi Flynn sighting and Delano Banton. They combined for 21 points, which is definitely refreshing to see the confidence that both those guys had once they they got the opportunity. Flynn played 25 minutes, Banton played 17. After not getting consistent playing time, made the most of their opportunity. Now, they weren't able to capitalize in the past. They haven't played in, in a noticeably long time. But for them to come out with the confidence that they did and were able to just incorporate themselves into a flow of a game, which is, like I said, it was a blowout, but there were there was some adversity when the Hornets started to make their push. They they answered the, the call. There, there's no other way to put it. And the Raptors in general responded well. There was a there was a massive game by Gary Trent. OG and Pascal complimented that. And the Raptors were able to will themselves to a 125-113 victory. Toronto shot 43 for 82 at 52%, which is very high in comparison to some of the previous games and, and their shooting percentage. 16 for 34 from three, giving them 47%. And they took care of business from the line, 23 for 29 from the free throw line at 79%, which, I mean, they missed six free throws and in the past, it was proven costly. But to get to the line 29 times definitely showed their determination to establish themselves early on, especially in the paint. Charlotte on the opposite end shot 40 for 82 at 48%, 10 for 31 from three, giving them 32%, and then 23 for 32, giving them 71%. Headband Gary, Gary Trent Jr., as he's being called uh, online right now, gave us a season high of 32, and I think... It was a much-needed game, not only for us, but him, for himself to kind of reestablish himself in the offense. And like I said, OG had 24, Pascal had 24, and, and 12, giving him a double-double. He, he missed the the rebound. Compliments to Boucher, just ripping it out of his hands, <laughs> missing the triple-double, but that was okay. It, you definitely want to see that kind of effort. And Lamella Ball from the Hornets end, chipped in with 25 points and seven assists. So KG, what was your takeaway and how did you feel that the Raptors responded without their fearless leader and their young star rookie? Well, I got a shout out to uh, Pascal Siakam. Pascal has, when I look back at our season in Tampa, uh, look back at the bubble, Pascal didn't seem quite like himself seemed like you know obviously we saw afterwards he, he had the shoulder issue had the surgery to get that corrected he he's been coming around coming in his zone now the thing that sticks out to me the most is his playmaking he has been a good facilitator he penetrates the defense and kicks out to the open man whether it's it's the hockey assist or getting the direct assist pascal's been picking teams apart with his playmaking and I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. It's It shows the growth and maturity in his game. Years past, a lot of the drives, he probably would just force up a shot getting into the paint because he he has a knack for getting to the rim um, and he wasn't always finishing. He would force a lot of shots before, but in, in this game, you can just see the maturity, the decision-making has improved on the whole for him. That's why in this game, 
you see he walked away with a career high 12 assists. Um, and, and I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see it. Overall in this game, one takeaway I, I gotta say for an area of improvement, and this is gonna echo over into uh, when we talk about the Bulls game next, the interior defense in the paint. It leaves something to be desired. As I saw Mason Plumlee, uh, he, he shot six for nine. A lot of those were from a one particular one, Charlotte got a rebound, Plumlee kicked it out. It was an easy give and go. And, and there was no resistance. He just, he literally got the rebound, passed it out, ran the floor, took the pass down the middle, easy dunk. Not one person put up any type of resistance. And a few of the, the dunks that he had were, were similar of, there was just no resistance. That's something that I know we've been, we've had injuries with, with our team. Uh, Achua's missed games, Birch has missed games. Uh, Birch didn't play in this game. He has a, a nose fracture, but it, it shows that our team lacks that big presence defender in the paint to take away these easy buckets, easy drives that the teams are getting uh, against them. But um, overall in this game though, on the positive side, Gary Trent Jr. Happy to see when he's in the lineup and playing and getting the minutes and getting the touches. He's shown that the trade of Norman Powell for him is paying off for us, it's paying off in dividends. He's had some injuries, but on the court, he lay, leaves it all out there. He plays defense, he plays hard, he hits big shots, timely shots. It's just, he, he's been a breath of fresh air for this team and I'm, I'm happy to see the progression that he's making. Charlotte put up a fight. Raptors stayed with them. They stayed the pace. Um, the only quarter that they were outscored in was the fourth. But again, Raptors already had a, a good good enough lead at that time and were able to close out the game, which I was happy to see that we didn't give up another double-digit lead, our big lead, and, and just succumb to the other team, just outgunning us, outwilling us, outplaying us, outhustling us, out everything. Uh, we stuck with it and, and pulled up the victory. So. Again, um, this game, we were successful from the three. And, our, and as this podcast says, we live by the three. And sometimes the Raptors end up dying by the three. <laughs> but they definitely came through, um, hitting 47% of their three-point attempts, uh, 16 out of 34. When the three-point shot is falling, we're a hard team to beat. I know it sounds simple, but sometimes it is that simple having a good start early can kind of dictate how the game will will play out for you and the raptors started off great they were taking high percentage shots they were looking for the right shots and having somebody like gary trent in the lineup especially you know the same day hearing him not being included on the untouchable list for trade talks for him to respond that way and show that hey um you traded for me i'm gonna give you your money's worth since i've re-signed just had a monster game and he definitely opens things up for everybody and he keeps the defense on their toes having a perimeter threat like gary trent and when we're healthy you're gonna have to pick your poison at that point you know do you leave freddie wide open do you leave gary trent wide open do you leave OG or Scotty Barnes or Pascal is definitely going to keep the the defense on their toes if that is indeed the case when we we are healthy. So 
Yeah, KG, you covered everything. So let's move on to our Wednesday night game, which is a back-to-back where the Raptors took on DeMar and company. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because, I mean, Zach Levine isn't no scrub. But we traveled to Chicago, again, shorthanded. And you kind of saw the effects of the back-to-back on there. It led to a very slow start on on that Wednesday night, January 26th. It led to a, a slow start. The Raptors were down early. They They battled back and made a game of it to say the least, and they, the wheels kind of fell off again third quarter. I know I'm, um, I'm jumping ahead here, but there's there's just so much to dissect here. The Raptors were down double digits at one point, hovering around the, the 17 to 20 range. You were wondering if the Raptors were just gonna get blown out, roll over and die, especially on the back-to-back shorthanded and whatnot. But they battled back in typical Raptors fashion. At one point, they they led late in the fourth quarter on a 10-2 run. They were up 104-103. And there was only four ties in this game. I I have to have to mention that. So it was definitely an, a roller coaster ride if you were a Raptors fan. But for them to respond the, the way that they did in, in the fourth quarter, and I know it's been a pattern lately that they usually make the push late and it makes you wonder why it isn't sustainable throughout a, the entire 48 minutes. But nonetheless, they battled back. They had the lead. They were just exchanging blows with the Bulls at that point. And they were up four at one point. And Gary Trent, who had another 30-point outpour in that game hit a big shot looked like he was fouled bringing it within two at 107 105 and he was clapping and looking at the ref apparently his claps were very aggressive and got him ejected out of that game (laughs) not too far after that and you know we we've talked about this already and how the inconsistent whistles and not only with us and i mean it's noticeable with us but just in general it varies from game to game, and I understand it's not the same refs calling the games, but I mean, to eject somebody after that, after you missed a call clearly, and not allowing that silent, well, I would say silent in the case of him not saying words, but clapping towards his direction because he hit a big shot to bring in within two, to not allow a player to express himself in that manner was totally discouraging. But it came down to execution. And KG alluded to this in, in the Hornets game. There were a lot of holes, especially in the half court. It's to be expected when you play zone majority of the time, but the rotations have to be quicker. If you're going to be playing zone, the rotation has to be on point and everybody has to be communicating. And it definitely was not the case. And it led to Vucevic right after that position to a wide open three and that was pretty much the ball game at that point i believe he hit that shot with 14 seconds left and the raptors fell short to a a very winnable game they they hung around with one of the toughest teams in the east right now the bulls finished off 111 to 105 the Bulls shot 46 for 84 at 54 percent didn't shoot particularly well from three seven for 26 giving them 26 percent they took care of business on the line, only missing four, 12 for 16, giving them 75%. The Raptors, 38 for 79, at 48%. Shot a little bit better from three, 12 for 31 at 38%. And again, 
you know, free throws, they fell short 17 for 28, giving them 16%. And, you know, you, you hit, you hit six of those, you, you tie the game, you possibly force or overtime, you hit seven of them, you, you, you finish the game 112, 111. So, you know, a lot of the same stuff we're going to be talking about until something's different. Uh, this is one of the few games where they were out rebounded and to KG's point, having that, not having the lack of a big definitely showed that but the raptors have shown the ability and i always say that rebounding is a is a desire it's a want even though we are undersized if you have the effort and you have the heart and you and you make the effort you can definitely challenge some of the some of the taller players in the league but it was not the case we were all right rebounded 45 to 34. Demar led the way with the Bulls, scoring 29 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. OG led the way with 23 points and five rebounds. Pascal struggled this game, and it's not too often that you you can say that with the way that he's been playing. But you know he chipped in with 12 points. Trent dropped another 30 piece, like I said, with 32 points. Barnes playing point guard scoring 16 points and getting seven assists. So my apologies if I did mention that he was not there. It was just uh, the lack of Freddie's leadership that was definitely missed in this game on a back-to-back. KG, what do you think about the Raptors and Bulls coming up short? Well, first of all, um, I got a shout out to Javante Green on the Bulls. Uh, This man has brought some energy this game. I had me lost for words at some points with some of the easy baskets he was getting inside uh, easy dunks again this guy came out shot six for nine 12 points six boards you know he's not a guy that's been playing this throughout the season i think this is his third game in his last like 10 to 12 games uh or sorry his second game in his last 10 to 12 games that he's played and he he came out gave some good energy for the bulls when your, your team is shorthanded. Of course, you expect your role players to step up. For a team like the Raptors, we got to stop those role players from getting those easy baskets. I find that, we, yeah, we got to put a lot of focus on their big three, DeRozan, Fusevich, and, and Levine. It's always that role player on the other team that's left open that always kills us. They always hit shots. And it, every time I watch, it always just happens to be like an easy big three, like a big three point shot that it's like, no, you can't leave them in the corner open. Whereas like the rotation, the defense rotation, you're playing zone. You got to get out there. You got to get out there. You got to play harder. You got to make sure. All right, we're switching. Now my responsibility is to cover the corner. My responsibility is to cover the top. I just find that we were constantly giving up that extra shot and that extra shot comes to kill us. Uh, a game like this had one of those. I think um, one of them was from Matt Thomas. Uh, and, you know, Matt Thomas, a former Raptor, he, you know, didn't necessarily flourish here. He, he had one of those shots. And you take that away at the point before Gary uh, Trent Jr. getting ejected, which, you know, he, he got the double technical earlier in the game with Vucevic. And then, of course, like you said, Curly clapping his hands at the ref, uh, saying that he got fouled saying that he was touched on the elbow when he was shooting. At the same time, Gary Trent, at that point of the game, you got to recognize, you know, I do have one technical. The game is close. Uh, it's getting out of crunch time. 
I got to stay composed uh, and just, yeah, you know, refs do let you say and talk and get away with some stuff, but excessive clapping <laughs> in the face of a ref, it, it's just a no brainer. That would be called a tech. So some guys can get away with it in this league, you know, it depends on their name. Uh, those names are on the all-star ballot. Some guys will get away with that, no problem. But <laughs> uh, when you're when you're Gary Trent Jr. and got slighted from being on the all-star ballot, Unfortunately, uh, the refs missed that memo that you shouldn't uh, get a tech for clapping in their face. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I, I just think that, like we said, we were down, we fought back. I, I liked the hustle. I liked the effort that was put forward to bring the game back. Because I think we were down by 19 at one point. We we willed ourselves back into the game. When teams get big leads, they usually relax. They, they take the foot off the pedal. Uh, and that allowed us an opportunity to get back into the game. Uh, and and one of the strengths that we used for it was our fast break. Raptors live off the fast break. It's a great thing to see. Um, I think we're, we're near the top of the league for fast break uh, yep. points per game. Using that to our advantage, we, we have our lineup the way it is by not having that traditional big. We got guys that can all run the floor. Offense, defense, they can get up and down the floor. And that makes our fast break deadly. Uh, that's one of our, our best strengths that I have that we have. And I, I personally love to see the fast break. It, it just catches the defense off guard. They can't set up. Uh, and that's why you see when we have slow starts, we're playing in the half court. We we don't have what people would say is, you know, that superstar go-to player. We have good, solid players. Uh, but we don't necessarily have a superstar player anymore. And those type of players can help dissect half-court defenses. And we thrive on our fast break, three-point shooting, but just running regular plays in half-court, sometimes it's just a matter of the shots just not falling, it's just not falling. And this being a, a, the second half of a back-to-back, there definitely had to be some fatigue. One thing I do want to point out from this game is our bench. In this game, we had Chris Boucher play 28 minutes, uh, Banton 23 minutes, Flynn 8 minutes, and Watanabe 4 minutes. Now, Watanabe 4 minutes, you're not going to get much done in just 4 minutes of action. Uh, th this is just to show that the minutes on our starters is heavy. And especially in the second half of back-to-back, -back, uh, guys tend to get tired. They had all the energy for the game before against Charlotte. Uh, but coming to this game, the Bulls are a better team than Charlotte. You could see the effect, like Alexi Akam shooting three for 12. You got to wonder how much of that is due to fatigue. That's where you would want to lean on your bench in the, the second half of a back-to-back -back game. Unfortunately, uh, Nick Nurse doesn't seem to show a lot of trust in our bench. And he, our starters lead the league in minutes played per game. Our bench needs to be able to have an opportunity to step up and play and show, you know what, I can sub in, I can contribute, I can keep us afloat. Right now, uh, we're not necessarily seeing this with our, our bench. Is it a, a matter of Nick Nurse just doesn't have confidence in our bench? Is it a matter of our bench just is not up to par? I, I definitely believe that we, we have to get an upgrade. One player can make all the difference for our, our bench to help out. But in this game, I would have liked to see our bench 
get more of an opportunity to try to help out. And, you know, unfortunately, I think that if Gary Trent wasn't ejected, I think we could have stole this game. He was on fire. He was hitting shots. He's playing well. I just think it was just untimely. And that probably, probably could have been the difference maker for us to, to get us the W. But again, we did fight back down 19 points, fought back to make this an interesting game. And it just came down to the Bulls hitting some big shots at the end to, to secure the game. What the Raptors could take away from this is, you know what, If we're, even if we're down 20, we can still fight back. It's just the will and the effort on the defensive end, the coverages, the rotations, the switches on defense, they got to just do a better job at getting a hand up in the face, a body on the open person. That That's all it is. That's the difference that, that I think that's what beat us. We just didn't have the coverage that we needed. And again, yes, we were playing shorthanded again. Uh, no Van Fleet and uh, no, no uh, what's the name, Birch again. So these guys are difference makers for us when they're there. It's just unfortunate we were unable to uh, to pull this one off. But you do see the positives. The positives are there. And once this team is fully healthy, I think they'll be just fine. They'll be fine. The potential's there. We see it. We see it as each game goes. I just want that chance to see our team fully healthy so we can actually play all together and see how it goes. You know? I agree with everything that you said. One of the big things about being a transition team or a team that's dependent on the fast break is that you're playing an up-tempo type of basketball. If you don't have reliable players to back you up, the fast break is going to slow down and you're going to find yourself in these half court situations. You definitely saw that the Raptors were trying to run them out the gym, but the Bulls were were forcing them into tough shot attempts. Their transition defense was pretty good. Sometimes you had to slow the game down and that played in right into the Bulls favor when you have guys that can go one on one like a Demar, like a a Levine, the Raptors have to stay disciplined on defense. And you, you've seen it time and time again. It comes down to one of those one of those role players or one of the, the key guys on the opposing team being left wide open just to poor rotation or a double team coming at the wrong time or uh, a, a guy gambling in the passing lane and leading to, to an open bucket. The Raptors definitely have to take care of the fundamental things because I think that's what it really comes down to. And I again, I know it's easy to say and it's easy when you're when you're watching the game and not playing it and not being in, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of a basketball game. But when it's all said and done, you resort to the things that work and it goes back down to the foundation and one noticeable thing when you don't have your bigs on the inside uh the bulls were advantageous in that outscoring them 68 to 46 that is not going to win you a lot of basketball games if that's the case again another tough game which brings us to tonight january 29th we are taking on the miami heat once again without Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm not too sure of the, the status 
for Freddie, we can hope that with the extra day's rest, he, he'll be ready to go this game. The Raptors are playing a mirror image of themselves. The Miami Heat play similar to the Raptors. They're physical on defense, probably more physical being led by the likes of Jimmy Butler. Getting out in transition is their thing. So the Raptors have to be ready for that, to, to understand that, listen, the Heat played the exact way. We have to make sure our transition defense is on point, our half-court defense when it's there, and when the opportunity presents itself, presents itself that we are basically just prepared to be a very good team defensively and you see that when the Raptors don't gamble and the Raptors are able to stay disciplined not cheat and we see we see that a lot OG gambles a lot on the defensive end but it's also important for our guys on the defensive end to recognize that listen he will do that from time to time we have to be able to back him up and I mean, we've seen it with Freddie and we've seen it with Trent, but it seems like OG definitely takes a lot more chances on the defensive end, which is fine, but you have to be able to back it up. So I feel that if they're able to set the tone defensively, they're able to get out in transition and make their free throws, this will be a very winnable game. Um, it will be a tight one. I don't see any blowouts. It comes down to the fundamentals, take care of the ball, play disciplined defense, get out in transition, make your free throws, and the Raptors should be victorious tonight. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Miami and Toronto play very similar games to each other. It's the, the last matchup was a 104 to 99 victory for the Heat. Look how close this game is, five points. The Raptors actually came out and won the first quarter. Second quarter got away from them, and the rest of the way the game was pretty much uh, a tie per quarter. Uh, we just have to buckle down at the start of each quarter to stay composed and play our style of basketball, which is ironically pretty much the same style of basketball that the Heat play. This time, or sorry, last time, we only played two guys off our bench, Champagne and Boucher. Now, Champagne played nine minutes. He didn't have any shot attempts. Boucher was at 38 minutes, had a double-double of 23 and 10. If we don't utilize our bench, I think it, you're, it's just gonna burn our starters out again. Uh, Miami, they have a bench that they go into. They they play like five, five guys off their bench. Uh, Tyler Hero being one of those guys. He's a guy who last season played through injuries and this season he's come out as an offensive threat. And if we don't have the energy to match that. So when, when you look at it this way, if basically Chris Boucher is the only person coming off your bench to play heavy minutes, he's not a guy you're going to say, okay, you your assignment is to guard Tyler Hero. You need another guy, uh, a guard, you know, that could come out and match him. To, so if Tyler Hero comes in off the bench fresh to go face against uh, Trent and OG, who just had, you know, like eight, nine minutes on them already, Tyler's going to be more fresh and Hero's going to make them pay. We're constantly running around against guys who are coming in fresh, bringing energy, and our guys are getting tired because they're playing heavy minutes. I want to see and would hope to see more of our bench today, given uh, some trust from their coach, and let them come in and try to make an effect on the game. However, if they're not 
producing, not performing, understandable why you would go back to your starters and give them minutes. But to not even give the bench a chance uh, says a lot from the coaching staff standpoint. I, I do as well expect this to not be a blowout. Hopefully, Raptors will pull out a victory. I'm just not sure we're going to be able to get over the top. It depends if uh, Van Fleet is going to play or not. Uh, we know Birch is out again still with the nose fracture, but I think if Freddie's there, we should be able to pull this out. But if Freddie's not there, it, it might go in Miami's favor. Just looking at, you know, they're at home uh, and they seem to just be, of course, Lowry has been ruled out. He's not playing. And Jimmy Butler has a toe issue. How much is that going to affect his play? Depends. He's been playing through it. Uh, last game against us, he had a triple-double. I expect him to still give us a lot of trouble on the offensive end. And of course, defensively, this is what he prides himself in. Give our bench a chance. That's the takeaway I want to see from this. Just give them a chance. Let them show us what they can do. And if they're not producing, understandable why you go back to your starters. So hoping that Van Fleet will be back, get our team going and pull up a victory tonight. For me, I would love to see Nurse play the way that Spolstra plays his guys. Like you said, they go about nine to, to 10 men deep from game to game. But I think in Miami's case, those guys have their roles specified for them. Like you said, you know, Tyler Hero is a scorer. He's playing with a lot more confidence this year. He seems to be healthy. There's a sense of purpose. Then you have, I like to call him Lowry Jr. and Gabe Vincent. He's he's just a dog on the defensive end and he hits he hits big buckets and you know you got the struces you got the duncan robinsons those kind of guys kind of give you that sense of comfort where you can lean on those guys a little bit to give your guys uh the appropriate rest if you're the miami i don't think the raptors have that yet but i also feel that it falls on not only the players to be to answer the answer the, the the call when their name is called but i think it's also important that like spolstra nurse puts these guys in into positions to be successful and i'm i'm gonna keep saying it until i see a noticeable change if you know that svi is a shooter create plays for him if you know that banton and flynn are guys that get out and transition and finish in the rim around the rim or flynn is good on the pick and roll run those plays for that guys miami does that for their role players similarly to what they do for the starter so if the raptors are are able to bring even half of that miami heat mindset so to speak they will definitely be successful especially when establishing establishing your role players but we will see later on tonight hopefully we have freddie and even if we don't have freddie we know that the raptors are going to bring it Let's just hope they're able to establish something early. Don't get down early and make this a game. We come to a very, I'm not going to say polarizing figure on the Raptors, but he's definitely becoming that. The Raptors fan base have a very strong support system behind this particular player. And more notably, you're seeing that the Raptors have a, a strong backing of support for this particular player. And I'm referring to OG. Now, I've talked about him pretty much in every episode. <laughs> Let's be real. But <laughs> he's a very interesting player for us. I feel like a lot of stock is put into him 
but I'm very curious to know if he's going to be able to answer the call when he's called upon. And we've seen it. We've seen some inconsistencies with him. But I will say this, this particular season, in comparison to seasons of the past, he hasn't scored in single figures yet. He seems like he's left those days behind him. He also hasn't gone goose egg yet for the season, which he has mimicked a lot. I find that he takes advantage more particularly when the Raptors are shorthanded. Now, Fred alluded to this earlier on in the week, and he said that there's a pecking order in basketball, which is true. You want to give your best players or their, your better players the most opportunities and kind of have them dictate the way the game is played out. But I can't help but think that OG at times have let us down in that regard when he's when his name and number has been called. My favorite game to date would have to be the Bucks game. He was physical, his effort was consistent, and he willed us as well as Siakam down the stretch to a victory over Giannis and company. But that kind of play is not sustainable. I think it's time that we recognize that. But it seems to me that OG is protected from criticism. He has the ultimate green light and he can do no wrong. And when he does do wrong, it's, oh, he's still developing in his game. He's still learning to become that dependable piece. When it comes to Freddie, when it comes to Siakam, it's a completely different tune. Even Gary Trent has been called out by the Raptors fan base as being streaky. And when you're a shooter and a three and D type player, you are going to be streaky. It's it's going to happen. Even Scotty Barnes, you, you see it online sometimes. He's susceptible to criticism also, but you don't see a lot of it of OG. So I kind of think that there is a double standard going on here when it comes to OG. Do you feel that way? Do you echo that sentiment? Or do you feel completely different about OG being protected from criticism? Because you see it, especially lately, Everybody's quick to criticize Siakam and what he's doing. I've heard guys online uh, and all over the radio referring to a Freddie playing hero type basketball, but seems to fall short or not at all when it comes to OG. OG's always getting the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't hear negative talk about OG. You said it. Siakam, I hear it all the time. Freddie, I do hear it about Freddie. Scotty Barnes is our rookie, and Scotty's getting more heat than OG. Gary Trent has been taking, definitely taking more heat than OG. I get, you know, there's nothing wrong with having fan favorite players, but not being objective about that player when they are doing wrong or not performing up to the level that you expect. There, there has to be some accountability for what he does and does not do. Go back to 2019. I think that's the year his, his father had passed. He dealt with some injury issues. Uh, so OG wasn't uh, available a lot of the time for us during that season. Um, and of course, you know, I, I hold nothing against him dealing with uh, the passing of his father. And when someone's injured, they're injured. I, I can't expect someone to play, to, to demand that they come out and play when they're injured. It's just what, what would that do? It could either make the injury worse or they're just not going to be able to perform to the level that they are expected of. I could put that aside and give him a pass for that. But OG, the, going into the season, 
the expectation was that OG would be one of our go-to guys. OG. I believe the term, not to interrupt, I believe the term is that he's our number one offensive option. Yeah, I we did hear that. And I know when you and I spoke about that, we said, our number one, what? <laughs> <laughs> OG? <laughs> Over Siakam and Freddie? Number what? He started off the year being our leading scorer. Siakam wasn't there. OG was averaging, what, 20 points a game? For a little bit at the beginning of the season, averaging more than Freddie. And I was sitting there scratching my head saying, Am I, is this real? 20 points a game, OG and an OB? I said, okay, uh, the, the man put in some work. I, I saw him do some fadeaway, like back down fadeaway shots. And I was like, okay, OG's reaching into his back. He reached into his back. But, <laughs> but as you watch OG, you know, breaking down his game, on the offensive end, OG, I see a lot of what he gets is right at the rim. And to his credit, yes, he'll catch the ball in in the paint, uh, in the restricted uh, circle, and he ends up getting like a, a, a two-handed dunk most times. He he has been getting that. that that's been one of his staples. Let me catch the ball down low, deep in the paint, uh, and I'll turn it and dunk it. But when you ask OG, like, the OG that I know and I still see come out every once in a while is you run an ISO play for OG. This is the ultimate test to see what have you done in the offseason. Let me see what you've come up with, what you've worked with. And you run that ISO, you got OG on the wing, backing down, and I'm expecting to see either he's going to spin off the defender, get to the paint, get to the rim, or he's going to hit them with some nice fadeaway uh, shot and, and show yeah, I could do that now. And when I see him get into that fadeaway, I know, I think it was uh, on Curly's birthday, I remember watching and I sent him two clips of OG <laughs> backing down, putting up an air ball off of an ISO fadeaway. And I was like, let me rewind that real quick and send this to Curly. <laughs> Show him what this guy saying, happy birthday, Curly. But I'll give OG some credit. He has improved offensively. He, he, you can see he's worked on that three-point shot. He is he's hitting his, his shots more often than not. Uh, but as a go-to player, as our number one offensive player, I absolutely disagree. I, I don't see, I just don't see it. It was just Curly. It was just a, a couple games ago. Was it the Dallas game where uh, they ran the out-of-bounds play for OG to put up a three? Yep, I talked about and that. It was like, what, why why would you run that for him? I, I I was confused. Like, this is not what he does. Like, I was oh, but look what he did in the bubble. A game against Celtics and he saved our our series and he hit that corner. That was desperation. It wasn't it wasn't a design play. It was desperation. And, and he, more importantly, it was catch and shoot. Yeah, which, which I feel is his strength. When you ask OG to create. <laughs> It takes time, mm -hmm. really takes time. And, and I'm not, again, like let's, we can't, we're not, we're not criticizing him. We are to an extent, but there has to be a certain level of accountability to understand and to recognize that there is limitations. And in the last episode, when I was talking with Mac, he asked me a question that I kind of just dismissed because 
I mean, we're talking about OG here, but he asked me if he reminds me of anyone from the past. And I'm going to read something that I caught off the forum and tell me if you can recognize or at least pick up as to who this this forum is referring to. Struggle to create his own shot. No handle or space creation ability. A 3 and D with a with good finishing ability in the transition. Love the corner three. Who am I referring to? And this is a person from the past? From the past. And again, a very polarizing figure in Raptors history. I'll give you a hint. He's from the VC days. But there are some similarities in describing. Now, I, I, I'm going to give OG a little bit more credit. He has a little bit more of a handle. But not that much better than this particular player. I'll give you one guess. From the VC days. 3.3 and D. So I, the first person that pops in my mind when you say 3 and D is Mo P. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly who they were referring to. It was a it was a forum about Mo P. And I was reading this and I'm like, man, they're they're kind of describing OG. And I feel that OG is kind of teetering on that fine line that he might be our new Morris Peterson. Do I feel there's more upside with OG? Absolutely. Mo Pete is who he is, or he, or he was who he was. But I can't help to think we might be seeing the best version of OG right now. I, I think so. You know, OG's, what, he's 24 years old. And of course, people can still improve going into their 30s. They, they can learn new skills or, or show something different. But peak OG, I don't see him becoming and and this everyone was saying oh OG's the second coming of Kawhi stop that stop that you, stop you, that, you know stop that, that that just absolutely blows my mind and and I can't help but think that really bothered me it really bothered me I don't see the similarities but I feel that because he's a three and D and keep in mind Kawhi wasn't three and D no he was barely mid-range in D <laughs> but the one, the, but 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 the one thing that you could not discredit Kawhi ever when healthy was his effort on the defensive end, his mm -hmm. anticipation. He stayed disciplined, and he was able to go out and transition and able to develop a little bit of a mid range. And I mean, Kawhi doesn't have a, a very deep bag in terms of breaking people down, but he's able to use his physical gifts where I feel that OG hasn't done that yet. And, and if you look at the timeline, and I feel like that's where the comparison comes in, is that year five with a, a player in those kind of with those kind of similarities with OG and, and Kawhi, Kawhi was able to break out in year five. So mm -hmm. I really feel that since Kawhi was here and OG was backing him up and we won a championship, that somehow that one year was able to fit into OG's bag and he was able to emulate that going forward but I feel that we need to lower our expectations down just a little bit hold him accountable and to understand and, and I said this uh earlier on in the season he has a very important role to our team and he needs to fulfill that role consistently as a role player you're called upon to do your job and especially when teams are focusing on Freddie and Siakam, OG, if it's not Scotty Barnes or if it's not Gary Trent, well, you have to step up and do so.
to his credit, it has been sustainable. But I feel that being sustainable and being impactful is two different things. And I feel that OG hasn't found his way to be impactful on a consistent basis. Would you agree? I agree. O OG will get you buckets throughout the game, but in the clutch, you know, let's say tonight, we lost by five points last time against the Heat. Are you going to give OG the ball with a minute left and say, go to work, young man, get us those buckets? Or are you going to give that to Siakam or Freddie? I'm giving it to Siakam or Freddie. I don't, like, o OG doesn't have, from what I've seen, and game tape is there to show it. He doesn't, he can't be that guy to go, let me ISO and get you that bucket. I, I, I don't see it. And it doesn't seem like, I'm not sure if he himself feels like he has that confidence at that point in the game to say, give me the ball, get out of my way. I don't see that from him. OG is a guy who will play within the system. He's a system guy, 100%. You know, I, I, if he was on a team like the Heat, who, as you said earlier, Curly, that they have defined roles for their players. I think with OG having a defined role, saying this is you, this is this, this is that, yeah, he'd be all right. And our team, Nick Nurse, it's it's more open, it's, it's more loose. You don't see him really give OG those, let me ISO you and you get us a bucket. I, I just don't, you know, he, he's, yes, he's been steadily improving. Defensively, he, he does take some gambles, it pays off sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. That's the whole point of taking the gamble. But back to the comparison to Kawhi, that he's Kawhi Jr. Kawhi, defensively, I don't know if OG, I don't think OG would ever get to Kawhi, peak Kawhi defensively. He's not going to get to that. I really think OG has peaked where he's at now. He could be a good role player on your team, but he's not a go-to guy. He's not a number one option. I don't think he'd ever be a number one option. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not every player is built to be a number one option. So uh, I just would want people to stop putting some unrealistic expectations on OG to say that, yeah, he's going to be this guy and that guy. Because when I look at OG and look at Scotty Barnes, and this is an early take and I will stick by this take, Scotty Barnes could easily replace OG. Scotty Barnes, I think Scotty has a higher ceiling and already as a rookie, he's got more in his bag than OG. I'll give OG the better three-point shooter. I'll give OG that. But again, this is Scotty Barnes' first year. Watch him in the offseason and what he comes back with next season. He's a guy who's going to work hard and he's going to come forward and show you, Toronto, look what I've done. I've You've drafted me, you put your trust in me, I put in the work and I'm gonna. it's going to pay off. If we were to move OG today, I think we'd be just fine. Our starting lineup is a small ball lineup. You have OG playing the four. Sometimes you put Scotty playing the four. You know, we're playing positionless basketball, really. But if we were to obtain, you know, a, a proper center, uh, you know, if we went out and got a Miles Turner on our team, some guy, you know, someone to clog the paint up for us, OG would be expendable to, to bring in a player who can come in and fill that center position for us. And Scotty can slide into the three, no problem. Uh, if Scotty works on his three-point shot in the off season, there's no no reason for me to believe that he wouldn't be able to shoot the same as OG, 34% from the three to date so far. There's there, Scotty could do that. 
he Scotty brings more playmaking ability as well than OG. He can fight like he just started point guard in the last game. Scotty could do that. I, I think you know OG's a good player, but he's he's never gonna be what these unrealistic expectations being put on on him are. And with playing every day, looking at your replacement in Scotty Barnes there, staring at you, you know, one might say, hey, OG, your big scarf wearing days in Toronto are over. <laughs> well, you know, you got, let me let me get you an extra large suitcase for them scarves <laughs> and ship you out of here. You, 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 sorry. <laughs> you, you, that, oh, man, that, that's just too funny. I, I will say I will say this. I think the Raptors have kind of created this this bubble for OG where he's kind of protected from this criticism that we're talking about. And I feel that it started when you didn't want to part with him in the Kawhi deal. You held out Pascal and you held out OG to trade a cornerstone like DeMar, whom is probably top well, I'm not going to say probably at least top three most favorite Raptor of all time at minimum. And you traded him away for a superstar that was coming off an injury plague season. Now, I must digress as much as I am a DeMar fan and I was from the USC days, one of the rare, rare times I did watch college ball. I would do that trade again and again. But you can't help but think on the hypothetical of what this team would have been like if you had Kyle, DeMar, and Kawhi. <laughs> you can't yeah. help but think what that team could have been like. I mean, OG was even there in the playoff run. So, and we still came out, got our championship. Would it have been different if OG was there? No, I think we still would have came out and got the championship. Uh, regardless, but DeMar would have been playing over Danny Green and offensively DeMar to that point in the playoffs for us left some to be desired, but playing with a guy like Kawhi who would take that pressure off of DeMar, I think DeMar would have been just fine. DeMar would have been able to hit those shots that he normally, you know, he's the mid-range guy, Kawhi could hit the three. We need the three-point shooting, you know, you sub in Danny Green, you go small, you got an extra three-point shooter on the court and some added defense. Had we moved OG, DeMar would still be here now. Um, I, I don't envision that he would have been moved after Kawhi left, uh, I, I think. And, and we look at what DeMar is doing now. Look at him now. Not There's not to say that he, well, the only reason he's doing that now because he's in a different system. Well, Things have changed. Our systems change all the time. The coaches have to make adjustments. Tomorrow would have been fine. Would Kyle still be here? Debatable. Yeah. Uh, I, I can still see them moving him just because, you know, look at the age factor to get younger. We've got to look at the, the future. But back to the OG factor here. If OG was, like I said, if OG was playing, we still would have got the championship. But he didn't play and we still did it. Now that OG is back to replacing Kawhi, who replaced him initially. Is OG going to bring us that championship, be that player that Kawhi was? No, he's not. It's just, it's not going to happen. So this bubble that's around OG needs to be burst. People need to give him, if you're going to, if you're going to 
give our rookie, and he's a rookie. You're going to give him all that flack. You got to give the same to OG. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I just don't understand why OG is this untouchable guy for our team, but everybody else can take all the heat in the world. I I, I don't know what it is, but... It's potential, um, brother. It's that, that dreaded word that I absolutely despise, and I said so in the last episode. It's that potential, <laughs> okay? Potential doesn't equal promise. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm going to close with this. We saw what pressure did to Pascal Siakam. He didn't ask to be the guy. He just became the guy because of what he was getting paid. And because of how well he looked alongside with Kawhi. So people thought that, hey, like OG, the Kawhi effect is going to live long for the Raptors and that he would be able to pick up. And it was not the case. I don't want to see history repeat itself. I'm, this, is, this is the only time I'm really going to be defending OG is that I don't want to see the same thing happen to OG. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's unwarranted to kind of put that unnecessary pressure on a, on a player like that. He hasn't shown that he can be that guy. I mean, he's not dropping multiple 30-point games or 40-point games or 50-point games. You know who else had potential and he dropped 50 points? Terrence Ross. And how well did that work out for us? So mm -hmm. let's let's keep our expectations realistic. Let's lower our expectations and let's understand that OG is a good player. He's a three and D player with a limited bag and in isolation basketball, that is not his strength. And I don't feel that we are in a position to be giving all this leeway to OG because he's young. He's in year five. You know, you're, you're supposed to have at least some sort of idea of, of what kind of identity you're going to have in the league at that point. But you can't give OG all that leeway and then hold back guys like Scotty Barnes or even hold back guys like Banton, like Flynn. Let's let's be fair in terms of our development. Let's allow our young guys to make mistakes. Let's hold them accountable, but let's also find ways that we can make them better. And I don't want to see, you know, it's almost like borderline favoritism going on here. So let's let's be fair, let's be realistic, and let's hold people accountable. If you're gonna call out Siakam, if you're gonna call out uh, Freddie Barnes, who's a rookie, and Gary Trent, I think OG being year five on this team is worthy of the same sentiment. Absolutely, completely agree. So we'll talk about another very important piece, and we've saw we've seen his his importance since his return is Gary Trent. Gary Trent makes our team better, period. There's no other way to describe it. He opens up so much uh, on the offensive end, and he's also giving it up on, uh, on the, the defensive end. And you, Ken Birch alluded to this earlier on in the season. He was actually surprised as to how well Gary Trent was playing on the defensive end. And I like, let's remember, he's still young. You know, he, he I, I believe he just turned 23, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's 20. He's 23. Yeah, he's 23. So, you know, again, a young player that that's developing and figuring it out. But you can see that he has the confidence and the determination that he he wants to be a better version of himself. So just very quickly, 
the team with Gary Trent Jr. averages 109 points per game, shooting 45% from the from the field and 35% from three. Without him, the Raptors are barely scoring 97 points per game, which once upon a time was very high in the league to to under to know that 97 points isn't enough. But it also shows the importance of what a player like Gary Trent means to us. And the Raptors shoot 39% and 30% from three. He affects other players too. Freddie shoot is averaging 21%. Oh, sorry, 21 points per game, shooting 44 from the field and 41 from three. Without him, he scores a little bit more, but the shooting percentage drops. And it's very obvious as to why that drops. When you have one less perimeter threat, you're gonna focus on the next best perimeter threat, which is Freddie. And he shoots 37% from from the field and 38 from three. The the golden boy, OG, plays better with Gary Trent, scores 19 points per game, shooting 44 from the field and 37% from three. Without him, not that much of a fall off, but again, the percentages and the quality of shots drop. And OG is not that knockdown shooter that we want him to be or at least some of the Raptors fan base wants him to be. We are a little bit more realistic. He's not that guy. 18 points per game, shooting 41 from the field and 31% from three. I was very disappointed, but also not surprised when I saw the untouchable list and it did not include Gary Trent. Again, you traded a cornerstone in, in Norm for somebody like Gary Trent, who's arguably an upgrade in terms of of the type of player. I think what we wanted Norm to be is what Gary Trent is to us right now. It's about finding that level of consistency, but you, again, you see the determination to be a better version with himself. Not saying that Norm did, didn't do that, but Gary Trent, I find is a much better defender. And to not have him as part of your future was very discouraging. I think he's earned the right to be a part of this core. The numbers I've just said only support that point. And I think it's time that the Raptors organization puts a little bit more respect on Gary Trent's name. Trent is, um, when he started off the season, the defense, I, I know, you know, playing Yahoo Fantasy Ball, I was looking at his stats and I'm like, bro, this guy was getting like five steals. He had he had like what three or four games of out of the first few games, five steals in each game. And I said, okay, Gary Trent came to play. We got a small sample size the season before uh, at the trade deadline, picking him up for Norm. And you know, Norm, Norm for me, Norm was my one of my favorite players. Uh, on the Raptors, and it, it was sad for me to see him go. I know that that one definitely hit, and but I knew what we were getting with Gary Trent at the same time. I could see why Masai made the trade. You got younger, and a guy that played uh, very similar to, to Norm. And Norm, at the time, he was hitting shot like his his corner threes were just it was money, it's cash. There there's no missing. So when he was traded i saw a lot of people saying well why would we give away norman powell who just stepped his game up he's hitting all these shots now offensive threat uh carrying our team messiah maximized his value and got two players in return one of them is still here today which is gary trent 
you know, earlier in the season, I would see times where he's just hitting everything. Lights out. Lights out. And the Raptors would go away from him and have me question, you know, usually if you got a player who's, you know, and, and as they say, Trent is a streaky shooter. Well, his, his streak was on at that point. So why not ride out what he's doing until he misses and then go away from it? If the defense is not able to stop him, if it ain't broke, why, why fix it? And I think that that was in the early goals of Siakam coming back from injury. He, he definitely wasn't playing to the level he's playing right now, speaking of Siakam. And I think he was just trying to force himself back into uh, the fold of things. And Freddie had said a quote where saying that things are going to change uh, because Freddie was, you know, Freddie was scoring a lot. And he had a quote to say, you know, the shots are going to go down for him because now he's got to get used to playing with Siakam again. And he wasn't saying it in a negative manner. It's just to say, you know, there will be a little bit of a change uh, when you bring back a guy like Siakam, who he was excited to have back. And we all were glad to have him back because we wanted to, to see what our team could do. But um, I think they that now, today, they've recognized when Trent has it going, give him, just give him the ball. Let him do what he does. And times we struggle to score, and you can see the fact that he can hit those shots. And what I actually would want to see, when the game is tight and on the line, we, we all know Trent hit that game winner against the Wizards, hitting that big three, giving us the win. He's capable of doing that. I, I feel fully comfortable, confident. We need a three game on the line. If it's, you know, everyone's attention is going to go to Freddie. They all know Freddie catch and shoot is going in. More often not, that's going in. But Trent also does the same thing. And I would want to see more Trent opportunities, you know, late shot clock, game on the line, just running some more offense through him. I think it'd be beneficial for for us overall. He's 23 years old. He definitely has not hit a ceiling yet. I, I just, it's all about the development. Uh, Curly and I have been speaking about the development of our players, development of our bench. Uh, at first, at the beginning, Trent was coming off the bench. Curly and I completely disagreed with that. Trent has to start. Yep, you, you had You had Dragic starting. And I was like, here, I thought we we're getting away from the double point guard backcourt. We got a guy who actually plays the two, let him play the two, let Dragic come off the bench and back up Freddie. I, I think that putting him, you know, it just happened to work out that, that Dragic is going through what he's going through now, stepped away from the team, and it just cemented Trent getting that uh, starting two guard spot. He, he's a guy that will carry, he can carry a team offensively. It, maybe he won't do it every night when he's streaky, but when, you know, you give him the chance and, and solidify his role, he plays an important role for us. We we struggle to score in the half court. Just run a couple screens for this guy. Let him catch and shoot. He's showing it, and he continues to show it, and he continues to improve. Like, he, he's, every time I look and see that he's got a big game, I'm seeing, oh, man, he, he's got, like, uh, he's hit 11 field goals. He's shooting, like, 50% from the field give the man the shots he's he can do it he's not shying away from the moment and that's the thing with him og most likely would not want the ball in the dying seconds of the game trent looks for it 
Trent is ready. He's always standing with his hands ready to go for the pass and catch and shoot. I think we need to utilize him more. He doesn't, it's not to say that he's our number one option or he he has to be our, our go-to guy now. I'm not trying to take anything away from Freddie or from Siakam. I just don't want to see that, you know, he's played such an integral part for us. He he's, carries us through games um, to keep, keep the score up throughout the game as it goes along. Just don't go away from him for long periods of time. I think that's the mistake. And then when they do that and then give him back the ball, he's a little bit cold at that point because you, he hasn't had a shot in like four, five, six possessions. I think they got to continue to con give him the ball consistently. It will pay off. He will hit those shots. He will show us. He, he deserves to, to have that opportunity. I think the most important thing that we would all like to see going forward is that let him break up that Freddie OG Siakam closing core in close games and incorporate Gary Trent. I'm not saying you take OG out of it completely, but I think, you know, like you've said and like I've said, when everybody is focusing on Freddie and Siakam, that Gary Trent should be that next guy up. And I think we need to have a little bit more appreciation. I think the, the fan base is still a little bit divided on that, but I think the Raptors organization needs to have a little bit more appreciation on what on what Gary Trent means to the team, other than being a, ni a nice trade asset to get you some, some pieces going forward. So let's put some respect on Gary Trent's name and we've all said it he's young he's developing but he's also proven that he's willing and able to do what is necessary to help the game and even when he's not hitting down or knocking down shots and he's hitting the buckets that he normally he normally would make he's giving he's giving his all on the defensive end and i don't yep. see i don't see anything wrong with that now it brings us to the rumors portion of the show now we all know and i've mentioned it that the Raptors are pretty tight-lipped when it comes to trade rumors. And if there are trade rumors revolving around the Raptors, it's probably from opposing teams. But again, KG, there's been a lot said, especially in the last week or so. Some realistic, some are not. There's this crying need for a big. While having a big is a nice luxury, again, rebounding is about efforts. And I feel that if you have the necessary effort and you have the players that can bring it every single night, especially on the defensive end of the ball, you can make up for it in the lack of size because we can all agree now that the big man is, is a luxury more than a necessity these days with the exec exception of Jokic and Embiid. Um, but those are the type of bigs that you need in this league going forward, mobile, that can give you the give it to you uh, on the inside and from the perimeter but again not very common nowadays so kg again there's been a lot of rumors but if you had to pick one rumor that you would want to come come to fruition which one would it be well there, there's one and only one and i've been seeing it from the jump bring us carl anthony towns <laughs> He's you been saying this for two years, folks. I I I am not lying. <laughs> He's been saying this for two years. But go ahead. Bring us towns, man. You want a big? There you go. 
The man can shoot inside, outside. Like he he's developed a three, and you got to respect the shot from the three. He can rebound the ball. The man can play ball. I know a lot of people keep saying, "Oh, you know, there's this stigmatism, this this idea. He's not tough. He's not a tough guy, and all he does is pad his stats." Listen, he plays on a terrible team. He's been playing on a terrible team. What do you expect? He if he's the only guy on the team showing up on the on the scoreboard and say, "Well, yeah, he." Yeah, 24, 12, five assists and three threes and two blocks and a steal. But his team lost by 20. Is that is that all on him? It's it's a team sport. If his team's not showing up and he's showing up, everyone's this idea that he's just there to pad his stats and say, well, I came out, did what I do? No, man. And, and he's addressed that this season. He said he addressed this very thing. Um, I think he had just gone up against Embiid. And he did his thing. And he's like, yeah, you know, there's this talk that I I'm, don't play hard. I don't put effort out there. He just wants to show that that's absolutely not true. And I believe it. I don't believe that he is out there just to pad stats. Put him on a team like the Raptors. He checks off all the boxes for what we need. We'd probably have to give up either a Siakam or OG in that deal along with sending Dragic to make contracts match and all. But if you, if let's say we were able to keep Siakam and you move OG, which is ideal because you already have an OG replacement as Scotty Barnes and you bring in a Towns to play with Siakam, Freddie, Gary Trent and Scotty Barnes as you start in lineup. Come on, come on. This, this is just, this is what we need. And, and you can have a Chua and Birch backup and Boucher, if he would still be around, maybe he might be part of the deal. But interior scoring, mid-range scoring, outside scoring, the Raptors have been looking for guys that could do all of the above. And Towns checks that box. That's the deal I want to see come to, to life. That's that's it. And I'm going to keep saying it until one day <laughs> you see Towns number 32 in the Raptors jersey manifestation you hear you're hearing it folks it works it does wonders i believe it, it, in it. it hey it works for lowry i swear <laughs> i was one of the few who've been preaching it at that time when he was on the rockets it's like go get kyle lowry everyone's like man why do you want to get that bum yeah how did that bum turn out all right yeah. so bring bring towns i'm telling you i'm telling uh, you from now that, that, that was a bit of a mic drop there <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, hey, listen, you manifested it. It worked out. He was intricate in, in bringing us a championship and he's going down as one of the Raptors greats. So I, I don't see anything wrong with that. For me, I've toyed around with some of it and I, and I, I wanted to get creative with it. But for me, I think it's very simple. And we saw that these talks stalled and it was Siakam for Sabonis. Now, I don't want to see Siakam go for Sabonis because I don't think that trade makes us better. I think having Sabonis alongside of Siakam is mm -hmm. a lot more interesting than them being apart from each other. I've said this, that the only player that makes the most sense for both teams is OG. Indiana doesn't have a small forward. I don't think TJ Warren is a small forward of the future for the Pacers. I think they're kind of in no man's land in terms of what direction they want to go to. It is clear that 
their players are disgruntled. And I think the organization from the whole has not really recovered from the Paul George trade. I think they they've failed in terms of building uh, an, a good team around Sabonis, whom arguably is their best player. I know Malcolm Brogdon is, is quite the killer when he's healthy, but again, durability is a question mark. Miles Turner is Mr. Inconsistent. You don't know which version you're going to get. You know, TJ Warren has been huge for them. But again, he's coming back from an injury. And I've said it before, you don't know which version of TJ Warren you're going to get. And I don't think he can carry them. He's. I don't think he's that guy. I think he kind of falls into the to the same category in, in terms of what OG means, uh, in terms of their ability to lead a team to success from an individual standpoint. But Sabonis makes the most sense. Um, you trade OG, Indiana gets a perimeter player. We get we get an established big. Now he's not a shot blocker, and I know everybody's enamored about the idea of Miles Turner. But for me, am I going to take a chance on somebody that is going to be inconsistent? I think we have, uh, as a young developing team, I think we have enough to worry about to kind of bring in a player to add to that quote unquote stress is would not be smart from the Raptors standpoint. But I look at Sabonis value from a half court standpoint. When we are struggling in the transition and we need a half court bucket, it would be nice to have that presence on the inside that can that can do that in and out basketball or be good enough to get his bucket on his own from the inside. It, it definitely would open things up on the perimeter especially with Siakam now shooting the three more, Freddie, Gary Trent, even Scotty Barnes um, being able to hit from the perimeter or from the high post would definitely open things up. So I think out of every every trade rumor, I think that one, uh, I would love to see Sabonis in a Raptors uniform. To complement that, I would love to see Chris Levert here. I think Chris Levert would be huge. I just don't think he's worth, not I think, I, he's not worth two first round picks that no. the Pacers are are yeah. demanding. I mean, <laughs> too much. yeah, that's way too much. I, th- I His upside is very good. I would definitely give up a, a, a one first rounder, but having somebody like Chris Levert would be huge for our bench. I think for him from, from a durability standpoint, not playing extended minutes, you would definitely maximize the return of having somebody like Chris Levert and maximize his durability, bringing him off the bench. I, th- I think that would be a, a home run. And I know the Raptors don't really go for a lot of home runs when they're making trades. They do they go for base hits or or doubles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it would be a it would be a home run if they're able to somehow pull it off. But one honorable mention, and I think it would be an intriguing pick, is the idea of having John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks here. Now, I know there's a bit of a divide in terms of what he can bring in. If we make a trade for John Collins, it would definitely mean the that small ball would be here to stay. Yep. But I think it can work with the team that we have. Imagine your entire starting five being able to run in transition. And the ability to lob it up to Scotty Barnes or Siakam or even John Collins, who's who's shown that he has bounced and he can finish he, he, around he, the rim. He can. He can. <laughs> who, who did he put on a T-shirt? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Was it Jared, Jared Allen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So he, 
you you want that kind of 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 edge especially on the offensive end so i think that would be intriguing it's just again what are you giving up i don't feel that pascal should be a part of it again i think og i think it really comes back to og og's kind of like the odd man out you have that comfort of scotty barnes uh again from a perimeter player standpoint if you're atlanta it makes the most sense but i don't know how that would work there would be a lot of moving parts but how do you like the idea of possibly having sabonis or john collins in the raptors uniform so sabonis i wouldn't want to give up siakam I, I don't think it makes us better. It doesn't make us worse. I think it keeps us right where we're at if we did a, a Siakam first Sabonis deal. Agreed. O, OG? Okay, yeah. See ya. Sabonis, welcome aboard. <laughs> um, it, it just, because you know what? At that point, Sabonis would be the guy to play the center over Siakam. Of course, they would share the duty, but uh, Sabonis would be. He's the better rebounder um, between the two of them. And I think it would allow Siakam even more freedom uh, to play more on the at the four and do what he can do, which is get to the rim. He gets and there also at, and also facilitate. I think yeah. it'll be much more natural mm-hmm. from the four spot, and it will also uh, uh, alleviate that stress for Sabonis because you know it seems like at times Sabonis is almost like a poor man's Jokic having to do everything mm-hmm. for Indiana: rebound, assist. Yeah, uh, score. You know what I mean. I think it would take some pressure off of him and definitely open up more opportunities for Sabonis. Exactly. So, I like that deal if it's OG going. And look, people, I get. Listen, we're we're always saying OG got to go in the trade. You know what? You got to give up talent to get talent, and that's just the way it is. So, it's not a knock to, for us to say that we don't want him here. He has to go. It's what makes sense in a deal to get talent back and people like the fact OG is only 24 years old uh he still has potential which is the word Curly hates but this is the way that everybody views it and they're gonna say he's got potential he's got potential and other teams see what he can do and can he help other teams yes absolutely and that's why it it, it only makes sense that we move him because we have Scotty Barnes Scotty Barnes can fill in and do everything OG does and more already uh, Sabonis, only if it's moving OG. I like that. I think that trade makes us better. Moving to John Collins. This has been a rumor that we've heard last season as well. I heard that John Collins wasn't very happy in Atlanta uh, playing with Trey Young. Talk was that Trey Young is a little bit of a ball hog. Maybe he's padding his stats and he wasn't, you know, I, I would look at it and see. John Collins has single-digit shot attempts in a lot of games. For a guy like Trey Young, who averages like eight assists a game, you would think Collins would have more of an impact on that box score. Yeah, he's doing things that don't show up on the box score, but he he did re-sign uh, a long-term deal to get paid, of course. Uh, the right move on his part. But... The talk still is that he's not very happy there and he wants an increased role. Coming to the Raptors, we would be permanent small ball lineup. Uh, him and Siakam play, can play similar type of styles, play in the same spots, but I think that they can make it work because of the fact that you mentioned, Curly, we could run. The team would be able to run all five positions, everybody. 
and it's a matter so when you have freddie pushing that break and you got siakam coming from one side collins coming from the other side barnes trailing uh and, and trent posted up at the three ready to knock it down who are you gonna get the lob to as at that point just toss it up and uh, whoever gets it gets it and, they, and they're gonna throw it in uh that that's that's the beauty of it that would be we, that would be the northern version of lob city that, that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's exactly what it'd be and you know what else it could be like it could be like the steve nash phoenix suns we could be just like that with a lineup like that the small ball lineup uh of guys that all could run everybody plays defense uh which would be the the, the thing that would be better for us versus that suns team yeah they're five seconds or less offense but we could do we could do the same but i think we'd be better defensively john collins to me you know, I've I've always I've been back and forth on it, saying, yeah, you know what, I'd welcome it, and then sometimes I'd say, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure that he'd be a fit here. But looking at the way that the league has gone, in terms of more positionless basketball, I think Collins would be great. Between Collins and Sabonis, which one would I prefer? I think I've got to lean towards Sabonis. Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know. Yeah, I look at the rebounding with that late game rebounding. So bonus gets those boards. Collins has uh, Clint Capella to play with, and Capella is a rebound machine. I've been trying to remember would Collins be that guy to get those boards for us at that late stage of the game? I think he can. I, I think I, he, think, I so. think he. I think he has the athleticism. But uh, the one thing I, I would like to. Uh, compliment John Collins on and again like you said I think he he has a bad rap and why Atlanta doesn't utilize a player of Collins skill set is beyond me but I feel part of the reason is because you have Clint Capella and he he is one dimensional so if he's not catching those lobs for you or finishing around the rim mm -hmm. um, grabbing offensive rebounds Collins is good he, he Capella will be useless and I think Collins is suffering for uh from that but i mean in a pick and pop scenario collins could definitely maximize um yeah. his potential but i but his shot blocking he's not afraid to block shots so you get that you yes you will have that small ball but you also have the athleticism of, of john mm -hmm. collins who's not afraid to block a shot at the rim yeah so that's why for me either one of those trades i'd be fine with either one it, it both of them fill needs that we have. Sabonis will definitely be better for the rebounding side of it. Collins for the athleticism, uh, the ability to run up and down the court. Not that Sabonis can't, but Collins obviously is way more athletic than Sabonis. Uh, and I think, especially with the way the Raptors play a fast break, it's just going to lead to even more fast breaks because everybody's getting up and down the court. Those two trades, I'd be fine with. You know me, bring towns. That trumps it all for me. But <laughs> I, I want to ask you though, uh, before we move on to the next topic, uh, honorable mention, Ben Simmons. Would you look? We we know that Daryl Morey is out of his mind, trying to rob the league, hold them hostage for a guy who doesn't want to be there. He's effectively killed his value, and um, Simmons is killing his own value as well by refusing to play. But if the asking price of Van Fleet, OG, two, two or was it two or three first round draft picks that they asked for? Like, 
No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll never, ever do that, ever. But if the asking price came down and it was, again, OG, because they do want OG. That's been a consistent person that they asked for. And a, and a first round pick, maybe even two, a, fir, a, a current first and a, a future first. Would you do that trade, Simmons, for OG and two first round picks? I think I think Simmons is making a little bit more money, so I think there would be an additional player mm-hmm. for a yeah. throw in. Um, I guess at that point, it doesn't matter because it would be a throw in. I'm not a very big Ben Simmons fan. The potential, and again, the word I don't like, <laughs> the potential of Ben Simmons and the idea surrounding him is appealing. But again, it's which version are you going to get? When Ben Simmons came into the league, he was taking jump shots uh, confidently from the mid-range. He was finishing in transition. He'd get If he gets below the free throw line, he again is finishing around the rim. He kind of shied away from that. Do I feel that he can be useful in a different environment? I mean, he's 6'9", he is athletic, he's left-handed, he has good ball IQ, he can make, he can become a, a really good facilitator. I've seen you, you, you've seen glimpses of that. Mm-hmm. If the asking price is that low, maybe I take a gamble on it. But for me, there's, there's so many red flags with Ben Simmons that yep. I don't think I would entertain that for a second. And especially, I don't want to help a team under division, and I definitely don't want to uh, make Daryl Morey to be the second coming of Masai by unloading Ben Simmons, and we're the we're the team on the receiving end of that. I definitely don't want part of that. Well, again, so the idea of having Ben Simmons for that low asking price is appealing, but I don't think I would pull the trigger. I don't want any part uh, of of Ben Simmons. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that when his contract would be up he'd just bolt we'd lose him for nothing he's made it clear he wants to play in the west coast play for a california team and i think that his first opportunity he'd be out of here so i i would rather not give up assets for a person who made it clear this is where they want to be uh some could say okay well then why do we trade for Kawhi? Kawhi, the, the rumors were that he wanted to go uh back home and play back home Everyone thought it was the Lakers. Either way, he still got to L.A. Um, the differences between Kawhi and, and Simmons, Kawhi showed up and he did his job. And he's Kawhi. So, and he, Simmons and he's Kawhi. is nobody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In comparison. Is no Kawhi. <laughs> he's no Kawhi. Like, we, we got a superstar. Simmons, yeah, he's been a two-time all-NBA all defensive team. Uh, the man can play defense. Uh, he can rebound. He plays, you know, he plays at the guard position. Um, he can distribute and and whatnot. But late game scenario, are you going to run a play for Simmons to hit a game winning jumper for you? No, you're you're not. Is he based on based on what we see in the last few seasons? Is he going to want to do that? No, he'd probably be the guy doing the, giving the inbound pass. So. Yeah, he could, you know, if he were on a team, I'm sure it would help us out regular season-wise. Playoff time, I'd rather have Collins. I'd rather have Sabonis. Uh, you know, I'd definitely rather have Towns. I'll take any of those three over him at this time. 
Uh, and just given the the fact that you know the the drama that he brings, uh, you hear that you know when Jimmy Butler was there in Philly, it seemed like the issue was Ben Simmons. Embiid has alluded to that the team has changed and worked around Ben Simmons. Everything was centered around him. Uh, so for him not to want to be there, and if these things are true, that everything is, you know, centered around him to make it work for him. You know, I wouldn't want him to come here to bring a negative attitude uh, around our team. The Raptors have been um, a team whose locker room has been pretty good. You never heard any of the issues that were present when Kawhi was here. Uh, Kawhi himself said, none of that, he's surprised, none of that stuff leaked out and got out. Uh, I still don't know to this day what these issues were. Uh, and and with Simmons here, I'm sure we'll hear it, we would know right away. And Masai likes to have players who are positive-minded, not gonna bring this drama or bad behavior in our locker room. So. I would have to pass on the Simmons deal. Uh, they're asking for too much. Where yeah, let, 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 let it be somebody else's problem. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not entertaining helping any other team in our division unless it's, it involves Jalen Brown coming here in some capacity. Because <laughs> apparently, apparently the Celtics are willing to give up Jalen Brown for OG. Like, that's what I saw online, which I think is absolutely absurd if you're a Celtics fan. But as a Raptors fan, Jalen Brown... We welcome you <laughs> with open arms. I will meet you at the airport, drive you to your hotel, whatever you need. We will get it done for you. So looking around the league, we talked about all-stars and all-star voting. And in the last episode, the, the starters for the Western Conference and Eastern Conference has been announced. For the Western Conference, we got LeBron. Jokic, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, and John Morant for the East. Kevin Durant, who is injured, as we all know, nursing that MCL injury. Giannis, Embiid, Trey Young, and Damar. Not a bad, not a bad list if you're looking at starters. But as per usual, there's always a divide as to who should have been there. And I feel that with these starters, it kind of reinforces what I alluded to in, in the previous episode, that maybe it's time to get rid of positions and just have positionless voting and give the five best. Actually saying that out loud, I don't think I would like that either. So let's, let's, let's remove that thought <laughs> because I just imagined that it will just be all guards all the time, which would not be fair. So folks, I apologize saying that out loud. On paper, it sounded good, but saying it out loud, it sucks. So <laughs> let's let's keep let's keep the positions. And um, KG, are you satisfied with that? Or do you feel that the NBA world is is calling for this one particular universal snub. Do you feel that this was a good starting five for both conferences or do you feel that they missed one? So I guess the better question, if they did miss one, who would you like to see starting in both conferences if you have to pick one? Well, I think we all know the one player who got voted in as a starter who shouldn't be there uh, and unfortunately, he just has to be Canadian Andrew Wiggins. 
The man finished third in the West front court voting. Yeah, 3.4 million votes. Now, Gold State Warriors fans are very loyal fans to their team. Growing up, I always loved the Warriors. I've always wanted to go to Oracle to see a game. It just, they just, their fan base, it, it's nice. They're good. They're supportive, they're passionate and whatnot. And they voted Andrew Wiggins into the All-Star game as a starter. You don't feel that that maybe the Canadian influence had an impact no. on that vote? If the Canadian influence had an impact, then Siakam and Freddie would have been much higher. That's fair. I, you know, and, and I think about it. If all of Canada just voted one time for each of them, one time, and you know there'll be some that voted would vote more than once, they probably would be, you know, like top three in their conferences for votes. So, unfortunately, I don't think Canada came to back <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> but in, but do you but, but do you feel do you feel that that every vote is accounted for? Because I can't help but think that maybe sometimes. I mean, I don't know what the motivation would be to not have votes, but it definitely begs the question. Because I mean, we see it all the time: guys getting votes uh, in comparison to others. And you makes you makes you wonder, and, and, and unfortunately, Andrew Wiggins ha is that guy. But maybe there's some fishiness going around in the voting. What do you think? So what? So the fa the fan voting part of it, and then you got the media votes. Uh, maybe there, there could be a little bit because I know I'm stirring the pot a little bit, and it's all hypothetical. I'm not basing this off of anything, but I'm just saying, like, you well, know, for conversation. It's possible. It, it, it's possible it, that not all votes are accounted for. It, it's possible, and it's possible that uh, you know the bots' votes went in there to vote up the Golden State Warriors team fan base and team members to to be in there. It's anything's possible at this day and age. You know, technology's gone such a far way, and uh, I, I just you know there, there's always going to be the thought of is there some sort of collusion going on. Uh, the league does things that are very suspect. How does this make sense? How does that make sense? And I would hope that in this case that that wasn't what happened because I don't want to take anything away from Andrew Wiggins. I'm not sure anybody would have thought that he would be uh, an all-star starter, especially in the Western Conference where they've always been loaded with top tier players uh in that conference so it definitely crossed my mind like you know i'm not gonna lie it definitely crossed my mind something going on like how did, <laughs> how did this man pull this off I, I i i definitely gotta question it but either way he's the guy who i think shouldn't be a starter in in this all-star game right now and again it, between front court players and guards and and the nba today playing position as basketball your idea of take away the positions, maybe it's not so bad because the league is gone to more positionless ball. It probably would be a starting lineup of, you know, all point guards and Durant and LeBron playing center, but a guy like like Luka, Luka Doncic, last, was it last year uh, or the season before? The man, no, yeah, it was in his rookie season. Yeah. The man outvoted James Harden had more votes but yet james harden got the starting position over him yeah so that to me 
if this is what's voted on and this is what people wanted, the whole point, this is all, it's it's a big popularity contest. Absolutely. Um, he got the votes, but he didn't get the opportunity to be the starter. Okay. They, they took that away from him. So I did, if this is the system we're going to use and the votes are what matters, then let that be. So Wiggins, you made it. Congratulations. But Luca was had more votes than Harden, but didn't make it. Yeah. So what changed? That's what I want to know. What changed? Why? Why did? Are you letting Wiggins be the starter, but Luca not be the starter over Harden? Like that to me, I I don't know. I'm not sure if there's something I miss or if there's anything you know about that. But yeah, um, that that's right there. Make it consistent. That that's my thing. Yeah, I think consistency is definitely definitely should be a priority. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument for Wiggins. Uh, do I think he's deserving of the All Stars spot as a starter? As, as a starter, starter uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. No, he doesn't deserve it because he has been playing very well. And since he's he since he's gone to Golden State, I think they've done a great job in and cutting out a niche role for him and he's definitely the benefactor of of great system play and i think it was very obvious and it wasn't obvious in the beginning but i think it's obvious now that wiggins can't be a number one guy on the team he's a complimentary guy he's a number two mm. he's a number three type guy uh he's definitely around the number three maybe even sometimes number four on golden state but i think the pressure is no longer on him and i feel that that has translated into his success so I'm not going to take your position and say he doesn't deserve to be a starter. I'm going to cower my way out of this one. <laughs> but I do feel that he he has played well enough to deserve recognition. Maybe maybe at minimum he should have been coming off the bench as a starter. You can make a debate, but I feel that when it comes into the front court position, it kind of ties into what we're talking about we're playing positionless positionless basketball nowadays so should there only be forward forward spots i think if both play i think depending on the player and for the most part all these players that were voted play multiple positions anyways yeah they do they right do. so so maybe maybe they open up that guard spot that that forward spot to possibly have those combo type guys where guys and Luca can can come in and who's technically a guard but you know has the size of a forward. It, I I think what really needs to change is the criteria. Like what is the requ requirement for that? Um, but you can make the debate as to who could possibly replace them. I think CP3 deserves consideration. Luca definitely deserves consideration, and you can go on and on. I'm gonna focus a little bit on the on the East one. I think Trey Young, who has been a very good player for the Atlanta uh, Atlanta Hawks, and is is becoming a superstar in his own right, but you can't help but think that maybe Levine was probably deserving of yeah. some consideration, or yes. even or, or I mean, if you can put in if you can put in Trey Young, like why not Fred Van Vliet? You know what I mean? I I feel that the early success that that Trey had when he was scoring like 30 points and getting double digit assists is what people are basing it on. Not to take anything away from him, 
but I do feel that Trey Young is the as much debatable as a pick as Andrew Wiggins is. That's fair. That's fair to say. I I think personally I would have put Zach Levine in there over him. I I think that would have been not not I don't think that would have been uh, an uproar with with the NBA world. I I think the people could see you know the Bulls this season have turned things around and are doing great things. Trey Young, yeah, it's debatable. DeRozan deserving of it, clearly. Like, yeah. this is what I, now I need to ask you, because Zach, you know, looking at it, this is Zach Levine's team from last year. Who's your number one option on the Bulls between DeRozan and and Levine? I think it's a no-brainer at this point. It's Demar. I mean, Demar is that is that guy. He's proven to be that guy, but he's so humble that he doesn't care. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And he just he leaves it out there. And I think him being traded to the Spurs definitely elevated not only his game, but his mental. You you definitely see that he's looking at the game in a different direction. He's definitely playing like it. And sometimes, you know, you can make the argument that he's playing, you know, playground basketball by playing on a one-on-one most of the time. But you you definitely see that it's it's a different type of one-on-one he's playing one-on-one if he sees that he has the advantage but he's also playing one-on-one to kind of draw the attention to himself to kind of create for other people so as much as it, as it is Zach's, Zach Levine's team and I think both of them are humble enough that they will defer to each other just by body of work and especially the game winners upon game winners that he was <laughs> he was hitting uh the, yeah the one foot three yeah the, the one where he said oh he recognized that he was running out of time so he had to get a shot up i think that's absolutely <laughs> absurd that a one a one-legged three was was the end result of that but i think from his body of work overall that it, it's the mars team yeah i i agree uh he he's shown he he's shown a, a different level of maturity now i think spending that time with popovich uh, coach Greg Popovich has really elevated his game. Like you said, mentally, um, he's learned some better spots to pick his his battles and and where he's going to attack and when to facilitate. And even defensively, um, it looks like he's improved as well. And I we think he's not Pop- forcing anything. I think that's the biggest yeah. takeaway. Nothing is being forced on Demarza. Yeah, it's it's all within the flow of the game. And, and I'm happy to see that because I know when he was here, I wasn't his biggest fan. Um, I definitely supported him, but I wasn't his biggest fan, um, especially on the defensive end. In the playoffs, you would see, you know, they would attack him. The Raptors tried, would try to hide him on defense, do what they can. But um, I, I'm happy to see that he has made that jump now. And as much as it hurt him being traded from here, you can't deny that spending time with Popovich helped him in his basketball career. And and we're seeing now, because Popovich plays a very systematic type of uh, of game with his team. Uh, their their roles are very defined and they play within his system. Uh, and the Bulls, you know, go, not, not to say that once you get away from Popovich's system, you break out because, you know, Kawhi left, came here. And of course he averaged a career high. DeRozan left from the Spurs and he's averaging more than he did while he was there. But that's because of the style of play and the system that Popovich has in place allows you now when you're elsewhere, you can now play 
at an elevated level because you're you're you, yes you have more freedom elsewhere but the skills and everything that you got from playing under a coach like him now you're showing the benefits uh and another team is reaping the rewards so the, the foundational roots the foundational roots right you're yeah, able to yeah. to to expand on that so yeah i i agree yeah. with that yeah so derozan is definitely deserving of the spot so i i think we're on the same page for the most part here that trey young and wiggins would be the two interchangeable Odd man out. yeah yeah, yeah def definitely but again you know um uh young kind of fizzled fizzled down a little bit um but he came out firing while to Ang andrew wiggins defense he's been uh, playing a lot more consistent basketball uh yeah. within a system within himself whereas trey young there's a lot more um demanded from him but both teams battled through injuries so mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, yeah, they're, they're the two movable parts, but you can appreciate that being a starter for both of them is not, is not a bad thing either. So I'm going to end it there, folks. Very lengthy episode. As you can tell, my boy KG has a plethora of knowledge. I think it's time for him to get his own podcast because <laughs> he can't be running up my time the way he did. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> No, it, it was an absolute joy to have this this very thoughtful discussion with you, my brother. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to share this with me. And I'm excited to see how much we can build on this. And, you know, eventually, who knows, the possibilities are endless uh, for you to, to share your basketball knowledge, uh, not only as a Raptors fan, but uh, uh, the fan of the game in general. So my, I extend my appreciation to you. I'll let you close off. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on as guest number two in this <laughs> up and coming podcast. Uh, you know, I, I again, like I said earlier, like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast, Live by the Three. Curly definitely has a great basketball mind. He looks at the game from a pure standpoint, tells it like it is. And, you know, I, I look forward to doing many more episodes with you going forward in the future. And, uh, you know, we're just being students of the game and the, and the love for the game that we have. This is not work. This is this is what we're passionate about. And this this is fun, enlightening. And we just want to bring, you know, our our views and our what we see, our knowledge and our points of view to you uh, to share that with you and, and have further discussions going forward. So. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, always, anytime you need me, I'm here. Uh, uh, just one call away, you know. I, I'm here. <laughs> uh, I, I love, I love the Shingy reference. No, I appreciate, it. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, no, it, it was an absolute joy to everyone listening. Thank you very much for staying, staying on this long ride. Um, I know we chopped it up about everything from past, present, and future, and again, hypothetical. Um, but it's been an absolute joy to be on this, this trip with you all to everyone listening. Thank you for, for returning new subscribers to this podcast. You can find me on live by the three on Instagram. That's L I V E B Y T H E dot number three on Instagram for anything related Raptors or updates about the podcast. You could find it on there. Until next time, everyone, peace.